There, I see a smile on that man's face. He knows what's coming, Tim. Welcome back. Your dreams oh. Your oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Come on. There's no way Phil gets this reference. Oh, yeah. Come on now. Welcome to the panel scans. Panel scanners. That look at it. I screwed that up right away, Phil. This is why it you happens, do it normally. Man. It's harder than welcome it sounds, to the panel know. scanners episode one twenty four. More importantly, welcome to the first episode of season nine, year nine of the panel scanners. This is episode one, July two thousand twelve. And even more importantly than that, welcome back, Tim. Yes, welcome, welcome back. Thanks, guys. It's good to be back. We're so happy to have you. I, I should be said thanks to Mark, thanks to Matt, thanks to Gary, thanks to Jason, thanks to Redmond. We had a rotating cast of characters filling in for Tim, but there is nothing like the original, so I'm excited. Welcome back, Tim. This is going to be fun, but unfortunately... Oh, by the way, Phil, how's it going? Yeah, you know. <laughs> like a loyal golden retriever or an astromech droid, Phil is back as always um but unfortunately let's get to it right down to it because we've been wasting uh, a lot of time trying to solve technical difficulties difficulties as kids in the hall would say um but unfortunately while we were away some sad news from an absolute comic book writing titan yeah i agree uh Longtime comic book writer and editor denny o'neill he uh died um of, of natural causes, uh, he was 81. Um, O'Neill, he was uh, best known as the longtime writer and editor of the Batman comics since the 70s. And along with uh, Neil Adams, they brought the character back from a uh, campy tone of the 60s to a more serious and uh, gritty feel. Um, he got his start at Marvel Comics with uh, work on Doctor Strange. Uh, I think it was the, the title was Strange Tales. And uh, he had his first uh, collaboration with Neil Adams, uh, coincidentally, at Marvel. Uh, it was in X-Men number 65. But um, when he worked at DC Comics, um, he revived most of DC's most iconic characters, including Superman, Wonder Woman, and Batman. Um, he even revived Captain Marvel um, when DC got the rights to the character and renamed him Shazam. Um, some of O'Neill's uh, best work with Adams was on Green Lantern, where the hero teams up with Green Arrow. Um, those issues dealt with racism, pollution, and drug abuse. Um, during this time at DC, uh, in the 70s, O'Neill and Adams also they created Jon Stewart, one of the characters known as a Green Lantern, um, which I just found out, uh, according to my research, he was the first African-American superhero to appear in DC Comics. Um, they, he said uh, his original design, uh, John Stewart's original design, was based on the actor uh, Sidney Poitier. Poitier. Yeah. You know who I'm talking about? Yep, I do. Yeah. <laughs> Look who's coming but, to dinner. Yes. Um, and he also, who, who I think is a great villain, he also created the Batman villain uh, Ra's al Ghul and his daughter Talia, um, which uh, I think I love that villain. I just think oh, uh, he was, uh, Ra's always had like this respect for Batman, which I really, really admired there. 
And uh, he also created the supporting character of Dr. Leslie Tompkins. Um, O'Neill returned to Marvel in 1980, writing The Amazing Spider-Man. Um, he also wrote Iron Man when Tony Stark dealt with alcoholism. He even replaced uh, Stark with James Rhodes as Iron Man for an extended period of time in that comic. I remember uh, I have a lot of those issues. Um, he was also editor on Daredevil during Frank Miller's run. I believe he hired Frank Miller at Marvel. And I think that's where the uh, their relationship started. Mm. And um, he also edited, you know, Alpha Flight, Moon Knight, and G.I. Joe. Um, and then he went back to D.C. as a writer um, of The Question and created the uh, character, which I'm not too fond of, of Azrael in Batman, <laughs> sort of Azrael. But um, he also continued writing and editing comics. And uh, lastly, that I have, um, he uh, has some TV credits as well as writing some episodes of Logan's Run, Superboy, G.I. Joe, and he also had a part in writing one of my favorite um, episodes of the animated series, uh, The Demon's Quest, which uh, also, you know, featured uh, his creation, uh, Rachel Ghoul in uh, Talia. So he, you know, quite a career. Yeah, I mean, legendary. He's right underneath. Maybe uh, he comes in that second wave of creators right after the originators, I think. So Agreed. Definitely. He was, he's a Heisner Hall of Fame winner, isn't he, Tim? That I don't know. He's got to be by this point. Yeah, I, I believe he is. Yeah, he has to be. It um, would make sense. Mm -hmm. Well, that is definitely a sad loss for our wonderful little nerdum that we dive into. But moving into things that are a little bit brighter uh we all know that covid hit hard and a lot of things that we love kind of got taken away from us um our free comic book day in may was one of those things that fell to the great plague um so we uh were really sad and we thought we weren't going to get our free comic book day this year but there has been a slight change in those plans uh we are going to get a free comic book summer and Free Comic Book Summer is very similar to the idea of Free Comic Book Day in which comic shops are getting uh, comics to hand out for free to their uh, customers. This start started on July 15th and is going to run until September 9th. It's going to have many of the titles that you're used to seeing, like The Tick and Power Rangers, and uh, there's a Usagi no Yojimbo book, an X-Men book, a Spider-Man book. Uh, there's there's a good bit of stuff that is coming. Um, I know the way that our local shop is doing it is on uh, every Saturday during this span, you can show up, and they will have the five or six comics that they are releasing that week. Um, you can grab one of each and get out of there as quickly as possible. They have uh, social distancing and hand sanitizer. Also, if you have a pool list like Darren and I do, you can go in and do a checklist to check off which books you would like to have pulled up to 10. Um, and they'll just start right into your file. Uh, you can find all of the titles. There are 45 total uh, on the Free Comic Book Day website. Uh, I'd rather not go through them all now because that would be time-consuming and relatively boring. And uh, seriously, it's something to look into. I know this week you can get your hands on an X-Men book. 
um, and a book that I will most likely be talking about later on this month, Firepower by Kirkman. So definitely look into it. There's some good stuff coming out, and they're free, and free is always good. Isn't that right, Darren? Hey, everybody loves free. That's for sure. Uh, that's that's the least amount of money you could spend, I think. That's very accurate. Speaking of free, uh, this probably won't be. Uh, no. NBC Universal and Grant Morrison have signed a deal uh, similar to Netflix a year ago. NBC Universal has announced a comic book division. The titles will run under the Universal Content Productions banner called UPC Graphic. The first announced title will be Proctor Valley Road, written by Grant Morrison and screenwriter Alex Child. And it will be distributed by Boom. Okay. Uh, other things that have just kind of come up. Uh, last, uh, I guess last month, we talked briefly about the Eisner Awards and the candidates for these various awards. And something kind of sinister went down. There are people that obviously vote for these things. And they found when they logged in this year to make their votes that there were questionable things going on with their accounts. Uh, most likely some form of hacking and whatnot because people are bored because they're stuck at home. Uh, so they had to completely revamp the way that they're doing the voting um, and they're sending out ballots to anybody who is part of that board um, to do a revote that it should actually be done by now. Um, and we are still waiting to actually hear who won what. And it's just one of those sad things about cybersecurity that you can't always stay on top of. And I mean, even the Eisners weren't free from that. It's kind of wild. To are, think. are they actually sending out, you mean when you say they're sending out ballots, they're sending out paper ballots? I'm not certain. I'm, I, it seemed to be the case uh, when I was doing a little bit of research on it. Wow. Uh, it might be a digital thing. Who I, I wasn't 100% sure. I think they might be a little tight-lipped as to exactly how they're doing it due to the breach. But, I, I mean, they were supposed to have had them and had them in by the end of June. Well, let's so, hope our local Board of Elections are paying attention for when November comes around. I know. That's, it, I'm just going to say right now, I'm absolutely going to write in Terry Francona like I always have. <laughs> my goodness I, I think he's got a shot this year i absolutely I do. do i think anybody's got a shot this year <laughs> uh, speaking of shots we may actually have a shot to go to san diego comic-con you guys no for reals what? um and guess what they're not even gonna gouge us on parking or concessions this is insane uh, San Diego Comic-Con has released the schedule for its July 22nd to 26th fan convention online, of course. Cosplay and online shop will be part of the four-day event as virtual halls are being set up. Head on over to the San Diego Comic-Con website, but specifically you can go to comic-con.org backslash CCI backslash attending dash show and use the link for click here because it did take a little bit of time for me to find the actual rundown of events. Um, and they have an updated rundown for each of the day's proceedings. Most are already set up with YouTube links, so fans can bookmark the pages. Additionally, some of the panels are directing fans to submit questions via Twitter in advance of the broadcast. That eliminates me. Uh, Phil, Wednesday the 22nd is loaded with stuff for educators that you and I might be interested in. And I saw a Crunchyroll panel on Thursday. Tim, cool. Henry Winkler's got a panel. The Fines. <laughs> so I'm in. Um, I've, yeah, and he's probably just going to walk on, and if there's any audio hits like we had, he'll just, like, punch something, and it'll be fine. Um, a Bugs Bunny 80th anniversary. Uh, listen, there's so much. 
I, I started scrolling down and reading all these things, and I was maybe a quarter of the way down the page for one day. Um, I, I'm going to give this stuff a really thorough search to see what's out there, but it sure looks like there's something for everyone. I urge you both to check it out and anybody listening. This thing could be great fun, and hey, we can finally go to San Diego Comic-Con. How cool is that? Um, now, Phil, I am curious to see what uh, specifically might be coming out of Marvel's panel at San Diego Comic-Con. Yeah, so Marvel is obviously diving into this idea. It's, you know, it's a nice cheap way to get their stuff out there. Um, so the only things that they have said officially that they're going to be talking about is their comic book stuff, uh, the new X-Men stuff that is coming out that is tied to the new uh, form of X-Men that exists in the Marvel Universe, The what's going on with Spider-Man after Nick Spencer's little push that's going on right now. There's supposedly something about Green Goblin coming uh, and a lot of other things that they won't talk about. But there is a very specific thing that I think we might be very excited about, that there's going to be a Marvel documentary series called Marvel 616 for Disney+. Plus that they are going to go in-depth about. Um, most likely, we might get a release date. We might find out what this thing actually is going to be. Um, but they are pretty... It seems like they're going to have a pretty heavy thing. It says that they're uh, going to have live stream panels from July 22nd through 26th. So to fill that time, you'd think that they'd have to have a good amount of things. They did say, however, that they have no intentions as of now to say anything about the Marvel Cinematic Universe. I mean, what's to oh. say, though, right, at this point? Well, the, all the movies I, are delayed. What else can you tell you? Well, I mean, there's the question as to when the things on Disney Plus are coming, what order, all that stuff. Eh. Well, you got you got to think, too, though. I'm curious because everything, like, they may have a lot of stuff, so to speak, that they were already working on before, you know, the virus took hold. And they may announce a lot of things. And those things may come. But what happens? I'm curious to what happens after that. You know mm -hmm. what I'm saying? Yeah. I feel I feel like we're gonna get. I think with everything that's going on, we're gonna get one last round of shows, and then there's gonna be a big lull because they don't have the ability really to film anything right now. So I think this like is kind of like our last hurrah for a while. Does that make sense? That does make sense. It, it does, but I mean, I I somehow in my being stuck in my house have seen some of the ways that they are doing some filming for not not marvel per se but uh some television shows are basically sending people to um basically quarantined areas for 14 days separate and then they are filming afterward hmm. um so i don't know if that's something that they might decide to do to well, get these movies rolling again for disney plus i think you're going to start seeing some of that fox stuff start matriculating on there very uh in a nice even flow I'm okay with that. Yep. Well, they started with the uh, X-Men movies. Yeah, yes. I saw that. Some of them are being released this month. Oh, don't forget that that Fantastic Four movie dropped. Oh, also. good. Oh, yeah. What, which what, Wait, what? What, what, what difference does it make which one? No, I wanted, <laughs> I wanted the good one. The very good first one, one oh. that you gave me that videotape of, Darren. Oh, the Roger Corman one. Uh, yes. Somehow, still the best Fantastic Four movie, which is so upsetting because it's really <laughs> rough. You um, know, there is a documentary about that thing. It was on Hulu. I think I covered it on the podcast a podcast a while back. It is awesome. You have to check it out. Not the only Marvel stuff that's coming though, Phil. No, actually, something that just dropped this past week. Uh, Marvel has created this new online, uh, almost like limited time release 
platform called Marvel Made. And what it is is it's like collector's items that they're selling with limited releases. The first thing that they released, which is something that tickled my fancy, but it's very expensive, was a Scotty Young collection. Oh, um, man. Yeah, it's a uh, copy of Excalibur number one with the Scotty Young variant. Um, a Spider-Man like notebook that you can take notes in that looks really cool. And 12, I think it's 12, 12 or 15 um, very nice pins uh, that are in the style of Scotty Young. You got Spider-Man, Carnage, uh, Thor, and many others, and they look really cool. But how much do you think this bad boy is? No, oh, man, I don't even want to guess. A couple hundred bucks, three, four? Let's go four. Uh, less than three. Oh, 250? 200. For a box of pins, a comic book that you could have bought in the shops. Yeah, that's pretty. Yeah. I, I, yeah. I saw the pins, and I'm not even crazy about the looks. Some of them look really good, but some of them don't look really good. I I, I, I love Scotty Young's art style. I yeah. really do like pins. They, but they are also doing blind boxes of those pins, but they're thirty bucks for two in their blind boxes. Oh, forget that! No, no way. way! You know no it's it's sad. Way. I feel bad for you, Phil, because I was about to say that Phil jumped on that bandwagon of Scotty Young's pretty quickly. I don't think that's true. I think Phil is driving that bandwagon, okay? Because he's been on. He's really liked Scotty Young since we since like the early days of this podcast. And it, honestly, if it wasn't a $200 price tag, I would consider it. But that is so much. And don't get me wrong. I've gone back on the website like four or five times to see how many are left. But I just – I can't because it's limited to 2500 And the last time I checked, I think there were 1200 left. And that's just it's 200 bucks basically for 15 pins or whatever. It's pins. That's, quite a, that's quite an investment. Yeah, and I don't care about having a journal that has Spider-Man on it. I just, I, and I'm right. a Spider-Man fan. It's just not enough. And I already own Excalibur number one. It might not be the Scott Young one, but I own it. So, yeah, you do know. you even like all the pins? Um, I mean, for the most part, I, I really do like his art style. There's a few that I would love to have, but I don't want to roll the dice on spending thirty bucks on a blind pack and getting two that I could care less about. And you know, you're better off uh, going on eBay when the, someone opens them up. And then uh, you have a better shot there. I'm sure they'll sell them twenty bucks or thirty bucks each at that point. So yeah, but you're getting the one you want. That's fair. I don't know. Regardless, it's too bad bad Marvel's not coming out with some sort of action figure or anything that would be more worth your time. Well, they kind of are, but also very pricey. Uh, Hasbro. Hasbro has started their own little crowdfunding site. Uh, their last campaign was for a, a massive Transformers War of Cybertron Unicron figure, um, and that was pretty pretty massive. Uh, but they just they're in the current stages of funding a twenty six point thirty four inch X Men Sentinel figure. Um, this thing has LED lights, sound, 18-inch tentacle, and 72 points of articulation with 20 points on each hand alone. It's massive. Uh, they already have 6,000 backers. When I did my research a couple days ago, uh, $2.1 million in funding in just the first day. What? Yeah. God. They already unlocked a Master Mold alternate head, um, battle-damaged head, and hand accessories. Once they hit 9,000 backers, which they might have by now, 
Um, they will anybody who backed it will also receive a Marvel Legends six inch female Prime Sentinel figure. Wait, how, how tall is this thing? Twenty six point thirty four inches. That's the exact <laughs> height as Phil. Well, I'm not that short, um, but it comes at a pretty big price. Did you already look this up, Darren? No, no, no. I wanted to save it. Please tell me. Uh, should we guess? Well, yeah, we should. It's more than the Scotty Young stuff. Okay, three hundred and seventy-five dollars. You are slightly over. Three hundred and seventy. No, you're still slightly over. Three hundred and fifty U.S. dollars. Uh, pre-orders are open until August twenty-fourth on the Hasbro Has Lab website. Uh, it's supposed to ship sometime in Man. fall of 2021. Who knows if that's real? Um, and uh, wow, that's a lot of money for an action figure. Yeah, I'm actually like, oh. clicking up. <laughs> says says the guy who paid eight hundred dollars for a Lego Millennium Falcon. <laughs> yeah, what you watch a couple of months? We're going to be doing one of these podcasts, and that thing's going to be standing behind Tim. Oh, it will be. It, I just, I just finished building it. I didn't, I, I've been I looking at Super Seven. Over. Yeah, I've been looking at Super Seven's website, and they are the ones who started the restarted Masters of the Universe, and that Castle Grayskull they put out. It's going for like fourteen hundred dollars on wow. eBay, and it is, it's okay, but they put out a Snake Mountain, and oh my god, it was pre-ordered for six hundred and fifty bucks, but it was so awesome looking. I'm like, you know what? That, thank you for making that that expensive because yes. it's nowhere near the part where I would have been considering it. But I, I saw the picture of this thing and I didn't know it had the LED lights. It does look very impressive. Now they have over ten thousand backers now. Just by the way. Now, as impressive uh, as that will be, and as expensive as it will be, it pales in comparison to our next story. Um, and that is Boba Fett and Kenner. Now, I think when I say the, the term Boba Fett Kenner, most people who have even dipped their toes in the action figure collecting market know exactly where this is going. The I will Boba, tell you. Go, <laughs> <laughs> no, the, go ahead, know, The first Tim. thing I think of is that, uh, that original action figure that you had to send away for that was had the fire on uh, the rocket that launched out of the yes out of his backpack that you would send away sending in proofs of purchases yes that's that is, what i think of when you say kenner and boba fett yes that's and it's exactly what we're talking about now for okay. a long time it were, there was a question as to whether or not a prototype of boba fett with a firing rocket ever existed um, and it wasn't until I think it was called Plastic Galaxy. It was a documentary film a couple of years ago that was a, specifically about uh, Cincinnati toy maker Kenner, who I am a diehard fan of, and their uh, acquisition of the Star Wars license and their production. You know, they covered everything from what Tim had, which was the mail away like promise of that you're going to get the figures. They're not ready yet. You got a box for Christmas, but it was empty. Um, and they confirmed that this thing did exist and that there were some in the wild, the Boba Fett with the firing rocket. The, it, now, the, the rocket itself, the Boba Fett with the firing rocket, never made it into production because there was a Battlestar Galactica toy that had a firing rocket that, sadly, a young child choked on. And so they, were, they, they made the wise decision to eliminate the firing rocket, and it was in there. It was just glued into place. Uh, but there have been some out there. Now, the most recently... Um, 
in 2019 at an auction house, the figure sold for $157,000. So how do you feel about spending a couple hundred bucks on that thing now? Uh, the, the Marvel Sentinel. Um, now on eBay, it does look like it has sold since uh, I reported on this story uh, literally 30 seconds ago. Um, the seller was asking for $225,000 as a buy it now or would accept the best offer. It was not on eBay for very long. It did go for the $225,000 price tag with signed notarization document from a Kenner technician. Um, so, you know, you want that Sentinel, you, you go for it. because it's, That's, that's it's gonna insane. Be, you, you, yeah, it is it's absolutely crazy uh, when I saw that. Because I could see, I, I was thinking like, how about you? Because like a Jawa with the vinyl cape is out there for like three thousand dollars. I'm like, yeah. Then you see this thing; it's like two hundred and twenty-five thousand dollars, setting a record for an action figure. You could probably get the original Boba Fett costume that they used in the movie for that much money. Probably could. That yeah, just goes to show you. That shows you to go. It goes to show you the absolute nostalgia power, nostalgic power that that Star Wars Kenner line has. But that is not the only Star Wars news. In fact, there is a whole metric ton of really cool Star Wars stuff coming down the pike, isn't there, Tim? Oh, my gosh. Dreams do come true is all I'm going to say. I love this. I'm, I'm excited to hear more about it, Tim, so please tell us. Um, coming out on October 2nd um, is a game called Star Wars Squadrons. It's a it's a space combat game set in Star Wars universe, uh, developed by Motive Studios and published by Electronic Arts. Um, this game's story is set after Return of the Jedi. Now it says it's set after the Battle of Endor and the destruction of the Second Death Star. The story alternates between two customizable pilots who are flying for the New Republic's uh, Vanguard Squadron and the Empire's Titan Squadron. So you're gonna play, when you're doing the single player mode, you're gonna be alternating between, you know, the Empire and the Rebels. Um, and then they're gonna have multiplayer. And the multiplayer supports up to 10 players and it pits two groups of pilots against each other. As players are more experienced, they can unlock new weapons, shields, upgrades, and various cosmetic items for uh, the pilot and their ship. Now, that sounds all well and good. You're hearing that, and that sounds, boy, that's just another, you know, Star Wars game. Great. The kicker for me on this one, it is going to be fully playable in VR on the PS4 and PC. So, like I said, um, Phil and uh, Darren, you guys have both done the Star Wars X-Wing um vr demo multiple from times battlefront right. I, when that thing came out all i would say is why don't they make a whole game like this why don't they make a whole game like this they're making a whole game like this and i am going to lose my mind because when i got in the cockpit of that x-wing in vr it was just it was something else and now i didn't i thought they were ignoring all the fans who were crying out um for a full game like this and they were just playing mum the whole time and the the amazing thing is you're going to be able to when you're doing multiplayer i guess which i won't do but it's um the vr players can play with uh 
players who don't have VR, if they're just playing on their Xbox. It'll be interesting to see who has the advantage there. That's what I, yeah, I'm kind of curious about that as well. Um, and listening to some of the interviews with the people from the studios, they're saying that when they built this game, they actually really had VR in mind when they built it. So even though you could, don't need VR to play it, this thing was really designed as a VR game. So I, I cannot wait. I, this is such an unexpected thrill for me, and I will definitely be picking that up. But um, so moving on from video games to television, uh, live action television, probably uh, there's a rumor that uh, Dave Filoni is possibly going to oversee uh, multiple live action shows on Disney Plus. Um, LRM Online they uh, reports that a source inside Lucasfilm has told them that Lucasfilm is planning to release regular live action Star Wars TV shows on Disney Plus starting in mid 2021 releasing every quarter doesn't that sound crazy it, it is officially star trek now it, right right it, it says uh they said according to my source at lucasfilm the plan is to create a universe where all the shows will be connected with a central storyline they said one big inspiration was the popular game of thrones series they said, I know it's a weird comparison. They said, but let me explain. They said, instead of making one epic Game of Thrones show, it'd be like if each family had their own show with a central storyline that spills over into the others, which I can't uh, understand at all since I've never w watched Game of Thrones, Did but it. I'll take your word for it. Star Wars already has the whole incest thing started, so I could see the comparison. <laughs> Good Perfect. Point. Good point. But the report says that Dave Filoni will be the man in charge, which he would be perfect. Um, he says that the shows, that the interconnected shows will, will include uh, The Mandalorian, an Ahsoka Tano show, a Boba Fett show, and the Ezra Bridger Grand Admiral Thrawn show in an unknown series. That sounds, I don't know about that. That sounds a little too, too much. Yeah, let's. Can we just like, focus on the Mandalorian? Can we just make sure that's good and continues to be good? And I don't know. But that's I, not I all, think, right, Tim? I think like they're throwing a lot of fan service out there with the names sure. of other shows when they're throwing out oh Ahsoka and Boba Fett and uh, Grand Admiral Thrawn and you're gonna have all your favorites. I, I'm not so sure about that. That that side of it seems a little more rumor to me. But he's definitely the right guy for it. Have either of you watched any of the making of The Mandalorian on Disney Plus? No, I haven't I have yet. Not, no. I've watched the. There's eight of them. They're about anywhere from 25 minutes to about a half hour piece. They're fantastic. Um, a lot of it's a roundtable of them just discussing things. But listening to Favreau and Filoni talk, man, they are just. You could tell those two are the right people um, for running Lucas. For running, they should be running all of Star Wars because they they get it. They I mean, really get it. They consistently put out stuff that feels like the Mandalorian. I'm in. Yeah, I, I, because I'll, I'll I echo that sentiment. There's more coming though, isn't there? Too? Yeah, it. Yeah, yeah there is. Uh, is. Speaking of which, with uh, Filoni, uh, they're going to do a new animated series. Um, which is Star Wars The Bad Batch, 
Um, it's going to be a spin-off of the Clone Wars animated series, and that's also going to appear in 2021. Um, I guess these guys, uh, they appeared in Season 7 of the Clone Wars, which I haven't gotten to yet. I've only started they Season They show up in Rebels, three, too, I so think. I think that's, yeah, I think they're they were the guys that were lost on that planet that one time they ended up running and fighting a, an at 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 some point. I think those that was those guys. That's as far as I got. I kind of punched my brakes because the Bad Batch. no, it isn't. Maybe I think, I, I could no, be wrong. I think that's like Captain Rex. Those were some other fan favorites, but I don't think it was the uh, Bad Batch. But we'll we'll see. I mean, it's it's being produced by Filoni. And that so um, more more Star Wars. Oh uh, yeah, come on, Tim. What do we know about this one? Come on, dude. <laughs> I don't even want to do this story. This, this can't be real, right? Like this whole thing has to be a bunch of jokes, fan service crap. Right. This I'm sure everyone's heard this at this point that they're talking to. Disney Star Wars sequels to reset. You know, Disney's going to reset the sequels like they never happened. Happen? Give me a break. No way. <laughs> I don't no even... way. There's, there's this right here. It comes from this YouTuber named Doomcock. Uh, he claimed that a Star Wars civil war is taking place within Lucasfilm between Kathleen Kennedy and those loyal to George Lucas. Uh, with it, uh, said a plan is in place to reset Star Wars and use a concept called the Veil of the Force, which I guess was um, introduced in season uh, the last season of Rebels, which is a mystical dimension of the Force that connects all time and space. It says that this will be used to erase The Force Awakens, The Last Jedi, <laughs> and The Rise of Skywalker. I guess he felt the shaking his head. No. It's supposed to erase them from canon by making them part of a Star Wars multiverse, essentially locked within their own universe and no longer a part of Star Wars moving forward. Well, that ought to I, kill everything then, right? <laughs> there is no... I, I, I can't tell you how shocked I would be if this came true there no listen you know i've said it before that i the the pre the sequel trilogy is fine it's not it's okay and it it, it winds up being okay but it brought balance to the force you have one garbage trilogy you have one epic trilogy you have one okay trilogy the force is all balanced out now everybody (laughs) um but i will say this you could make a case that there may have been more empty promises in the sequel trilogy than the original prequel trilogy. I don't know. Or than the prequel trilogy. So I, uh, this is not happening, but I, I think there's more smoke here than the two of you. Um, especially with you talking about Favreau and Filoni really being the ones who want to run things. Because one of the stories I read that the Civil War was actually going on between Kathleen Kennedy and the two of them. Which... If you look at what they've produced for Star Wars and look at what she's produced for Star Wars, you kind of have to go in their direction more than hers. That's well, all I I'll, want to say I'll about this. Uh, the making of the Mandalorian, she's on the round table with them. So you you try and see if there's tension there. <laughs> I'll just leave it to you to No, decide. I'm good. I don't really need to. But here's the, here's the deal, and I've mentioned this to Darren. Disney has invested so much in this, and it's not just the movies themselves. It's in their 
Parks, Disneyland, and Disney World. They created that Galaxy's Edge is based on the sequel trilogy, and they've created probably one of the greatest attractions that has ever been created for an amusement park, um, The Rise of the Resistance, and it contains characters from that trilogy. Darren's raising your hand. You may speak. Question. Darth Vader walking around that park? No. Okay. That's thank you. That's all I had. Uh-huh. Kylo Ren walks around in that park. Ray walks uh-huh. around in that park. Yeah. Ray with a gazillion little girls. Disney is not I I Darren, Disney is not doing this. They love their princesses. They love their little girls. They are not doing that to them. They are not going, sorry, little girls. Ray never happened. Yeah, sorry. Happening. Uh-uh. No, no way. way. Go ahead, Darren. Um, are you familiar with a character named Princess Leia? Girls have not taken to her like they've taken to Ray. I go on. <laughs> um, C3PO walking around that park, R2D2, maybe R2D2, yes. Oh, good. All right. I just, just curious. Go ahead. Go ahead, Tim. Doing a great job. <laughs> Darren, yes. The people. Your age and my age, yeah, they want that. But guess what? They're already they're building that new generation, and it is strong. And there are plenty of people your age and my age who actually do like the sequels, and they love the fact that their kids have embraced Ray and Kylo Ren. It, it's I'm telling you, there is so much money invested in that, and they're just. Here's the other thing too: they wipe out this sequel. Uh, trilogy they wipe it out then you lose trust in the fans because whatever they do they can just wipe clean whenever they want Mm -hmm. so the fans aren't going to believe anything and then okay we wipe it out let's do another sequel trilogy we'll get uh, harrison ford mark hamill and carrie oh wait no and and even if they do make a new sequel to a trilogy guess what i can guarantee you right now there's gonna be plenty of fans who say the new one sucks Yep. Oh, yeah. Probably me. Um, Tim, I agree with every single thing you said. All I am trying to point out is there is room for this to happen, and it is not an impossibility, given that everything that has occurred. That's the only point I'm trying to make. No, I agree with you, and the reason it's going to happen is because I'm so uh, I'm so against it. I'm, I'm saying so certainly that it will not happen. I pretty much guaranteed fingers crossed for it to happen (laughs) (laughs) so all right well you know the only thing is you know they can give us through this new the new trilogy they can still give us a an eight issue series or an eight episode series of luke and lando bouncing around the galaxy looking for the wayfinder anyway phil would be awesome all right they owe us that dang it (laughs) all right let's get away from star wars let's take a breath Let's talk some Stan Lee. Yeah, we're going to move this along. Let's do it. I love Stan Lee. All right. So uh, Stan Lee's brand now has a new owner, um, Genius Brands International and Pow Entertainment, which was the company that Stan Lee co-founded in 2001, recently won a legal battle against Lee's daughter about the rights to his likeness, his name, um, and basically all the things that he had running. 
Um, so there is a brand that is like officially the Stanley brand now. That is the Genius Brands International. They have they have assumed the worldwide rights in perpetuity to the name, physical likeness, physical signature, live action, and animated motion picture, television, online, digital publishing, comic books, merchandising, and licensing rights to Stan Lee and his IP creations, past, present, and going forward. So this is anything that he made prior to Marvel Entertainment, anything that is not tied directly to Marvel, and any of the work that he did after he kind of stopped doing work uh, with Marvel itself. Um, so that's like over 100 original things that he has done. Anything that has not been used before, they're just kind of sitting in a locker somewhere they can bring out and use. Uh, it's a big deal. That means we can get a lot of Stanley stuff that was never seen by our eyes. Um, they plan to develop and license seven properties each year. So it's a big thing. So we're going to see Stanley's face all over the place. How do you guys feel about that? <laughs> we already do, man. We already do. The guy's, the guy's an absolute icon. Now, speaking absolute. of icons, which for some reason don't feel like they need to play on the same playground with everybody else. I'm looking at you, DC. Um, DC will not be at San Diego Comic-Con. It will, it's going to have its own, you know, like its own distributor, which it doesn't, referencing <laughs> our previous story. Um, it's going to have a mega 24-hour immersive virtual fan experience, which brings the universe of DC to life and features the stars, filmmakers, and creators. They, they forgot a comma there, just saying. Behind its biggest films and TV series and games and comics. Phil, you know I'm right about that. Um... Aquaman, Aquaman, the Batman, Batwoman, Black Adam, Black Lightning, DC Superhero Girls, DC Legend of Tomorrow, DC Star, whatever. It's going to be something they're going to do online. Um, they did announce there's going to be... Uh, what about on... Titans? Uh, you mean Doom that just you know, dropped? It's interesting. What? what? No, sorry, that wasn't Titans. That was Doom Patrol. My mistake. <laughs> oh, I haven't even got a What's chance to catch up season two. Oh, there is a difference. <laughs> Doom Patrol was really good, and Titans is... Well, they're the Cleveland Browns. Um, yeah, Titans is on there. Go ahead, enjoy that, Tim. Um, but the one everyone's looking forward to is Wonder Woman 84. Now that's, of course, Phil's cue to let us know that he's not seen Wonder Woman, which he finds a way to do every single episode yep, of the panel scanners. Yeah, no, no one cares, Phil. Um, so join fans from all seven continents. Um, sorry, Tennessee. Uh, for the largest gathering of talent. And, okay, that's all I got to say about that. Tim, what do we think about this next story? I call it inevitability. What do you call it? <laughs> I'm still, I, it never ceases to amaze me. Every podcast we do, I can't get over the fact that Phil has not seen Wonder Woman. Listen, I made it, I got all caught up with the Marvel Cinematic Universe. I was nine movies behind. Mm-hmm. So I have absolutely no interest in Phil watching Wonder Woman. Even when he does, I don't. I don't even really give a crap. So it is on regular tele- broadcast television right now with commercials. I don't, I don't and, have regular broadcast television. Well, I'm just saying that I've stumbled upon it recently in the what past month. About the 40 minutes we wasted trying to get this podcast going with Phil lets you to believe that this man's going to figure this out. <laughs> you know, it's not it's, my fault. <laughs> it's so good, and I think now. I'm going to, well, 
maybe I'm gonna start making Phil pay for things. That's all I'm gonna say until you he watches a giant it. stack of my Venom comics. I don't want to hear it. I sure do, pal. <laughs> and if you want to see him again, <laughs> you might want to do. You might want to watch that movie. So anyhow, uh, getting off track here, yeah. uh, or getting back on track. Uh, One of the two. Michael Keaton supposedly is in talks to reprise his role of Bruce Wayne in Batman in the upcoming Flash movie starring Ezra Miller as Barry Allen and his alter ego. Yes! <laughs> yes! <laughs> it says if the deal is made, it says Keaton wouldn't just return for the Flash, but possibly for several other DC-oriented film projects. Hell yes. <laughs> Keep it coming. Uh, sources tell the, Holly the Hollywood Reporter that the role uh, being envisioned for the veteran actor is uh, similar to Samuel, a Samuel L. Jackson as Nick Fury in the Marvel Cinematic uh, Universe. Come they on. said he could, he could be something of a mentor or guy or even a string puller, you know. They said Batgirl's one of the projects in development that could fall into that category. So, I mean, I'm sure that most people listening to this podcast are familiar with the Flashpoint story. I'm sure you guys are, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. So, I mean, that's how the, you know, Flash, you know, runs super fast, goes back in time. What? <laughs> it's kind of like, you know... Superman uh, flying around the world really fast. It saves Lois Lane. Oh, you know, that type of thing. Yeah. Changes, that was one of change. our early stories back in the 2012. <laughs> but it changes. Uh, Barry Allen goes back and changes something. And uh, then that's what's going to, I, from what I understand, is going to bring Keaton back into the fold. If that happens, this story came out, Darren, this story came out, what, weeks ago? Yeah, about a month ago. And everyone has just said he's in talks. There has not been an official announcement. They can't walk this back. <laughs> they can't. There's no way. Because they, they, they put that out there to see how, the rea how people would react. And collectively, they sort of reacted like I have been. Okay? So for them to walk this back now, they'd be like, oh, God. Well, we're going to use Robert Pattinson instead. Like, he, even, he hasn't even shown up yet. So th this <laughs> needs to happen, Tim. This well, supposedly that Robert Pattinson thing is going to be a totally standalone. Yes, it is. Um, but this, come on. It's time. This is like a victory lap for him. And what oh, he should have had. I, I'm all for this. I really am. I really am. I... Uh, this seems fun. Yes. You, you know, so the exact I, antithesis I mean, of what we knew of the DCEU. This seems fun, which was not how you would describe those early DCEU movies. <laughs> so if Michael Keaton's Batman shows up in the Wonder Woman movie, will you watch it, Phil? Why are we even talking about that? Uh, like they do a special edition Wonder Woman, they do a re-release. No, with he's not Michael watch Keaton it. Batman scene. He's not end. gonna. Why do we even need <laughs> him to watch it? What's it gonna do for us? Nothing. You're the one that brought it up, Darren. You're right. Because you I wanted, I wanted to you. get it in there before you like jumped in somewhere in the middle of some segment just to remind us. I needed to I'm get just, that off the table, no, man. I'm going to. I'm just I'm trying to better Phil. <laughs> oh my God. 
<laughs> We're all right. Keep yeah. going. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, uh, we did uh, mention Robert Pattinson and there is upcoming role as Batman in the movie, the Batman. Well, apparently the, uh, they're going to do a TV show on HBO max, uh, Gotham PD TV show. And it is said to be a sequel to the upcoming, um, Matt Reeves, the Batman movie. Um, it's supposed to dive into how Gotham became corrupt and infested with criminals. Um, there's no word if Jeffrey Wright, who is to play Jim Gordon in the upcoming movie, will star or make an appearance in the show. And, but they said that the movie is, or the show, rather, this TV show, if it happens, is likely to air after the Batman movie premieres in theaters. Interesting. So are, is the DC streaming service just dead then? Why is this going on HBO Max? Yeah, let me tell you something. Tim, do you still have the DC Universe? I have it, and I have it right now for one reason only. It is the Harley Quinn cartoon, which I find fantastic. Um, I'm almost done with it. Then there's going to be a lot of hard decisions because there, while I agree with you, you made a great point about it's probably worth it for the comics alone, but I'm not reading the comics on there. Um, just things like their movie, their movie selection is really bad and they pulled they have pulled things from there that i wanted to go and watch i'm like i remember the other day i'm like i want to go watch you know what i love under the red hood i'm gonna go check that out nope not on there anymore or you know it they have pulled a lot of stuff it's they offered a deal i don't know if you got this but it was for the remainder of your for the duration of your uh um what I prepaid for my, most of my streaming services for the duration of your period, you could have HBO Max for five ninety nine a month, and I did that because HBO Max has Sesame Street and CJ loves Sesame Street, so now he has access to fifty years of Sesame Street. Literally, wow. that is not an exaggeration. Um, That's 50, a lot of Big Bird. Fifty two, yeah, it is a lot of Big Bird, a lot of grouchiness too. But I think that tells me they're getting ready to just roll that thing into the HBO max because they've already got all the DC movies like that. That's what's going to happen with that. Anyway. I mean, at least, you know, eh, Phil, just, just yeah. Let's so let's talk about a streaming service that actually still has legs. Uh, <laughs> it was just announced, uh, man, like yesterday that there is going to be a Usagi Yojimbo animated Netflix cartoon uh called samurai rabbit the usagi chronicles uh based on the stan sakai comic book uh a lot of people know this more because it overlapped with turtles a few times but it is it is a very 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 cool thing i'm excited about it have you guys read any usagi yeah never never back in the day it's great it's all the time comiXology for free if you have the, the not until you watch wonder woman Move on, move on. Yep. Thank you. You you know how to make it go away, Phil. <laughs> My God, I'll do it before next month. Just so you'll shut up. No, and we won't. And we won't care. We won't care. We don't. I don't care now, and I won't care then. Tim, I hope you hate I'm, it. I'm glad you. I'm glad you. I'm glad Tim's carrying the torch on this one. This is like me reporting on the stupid Snyder cut, and even when they announced it was happening, I still didn't care. Um, 
Uh, anyway, things I absolutely do care about, that little engine that could Cobra Kai, which was supposed to have its season three premiere back in April on YouTube Red or whatever, has now moved on to Netflix. Uh, producer John Hurwitz claims that it will hit by the end of summer 2020. It cannot get here fast enough. You know what sucks, though? They're going to keep those those first two seasons, though, are going to still be on YouTube. Yeah, he said that you could expect the seasons one and two to hit Netflix at some point, either shortly before or shortly after. So it does look like those oh. are coming. Yeah, um, they they, they okay. had no information on that. That's not confirmed, but the, the producer sort of implied heavily that that it was just the whole thing was going to move. I think it's just YouTube was Red was supposed to be smaller, and I think what was happening is they were devoting their time to YouTube TV, and they, from my understanding, YouTube Red was completely taken aback by how popular that show became. I think they had no they had no way to predict how huge that would become. Because I think it's better than it should be. Well, yeah, yeah there's no way. I mean, there's when you watch that thing, you're like, okay, this will be funny, and you're like, oh my god, this thing is so good. There's no way it should All be right. this good. And you know, here's the thing: from my understanding, a lot of the word of mouth was spread by some small podcast in uh, Northeast Ohio. One idiot, uh, yes, Tim, who's raising his hand, please. This is where you got Tim, Tim Miller. <laughs> the Panthers, this Panthers. is more kind of a general question. It made me think because since I watched the first season of Cobra Kai and I thought it was great, but uh, I don't have YouTube TV. You have YouTube TV, correct? Yeah. What? How do you feel about the $15 price hike? Um, I don't know. I mean, it depends. I, I, I haven't seen it yet. It hasn't happened. I haven't seen the the... the, the it's still better than the other stuff I've got and I'm still getting the sports that eventually I think sometime I'll be able to watch again. So I don't know. I mean, they said it's the most, it's the most expensive like cable streaming service now. It is. Um, I'm, I, I have looked at new alternatives. I don't know. It's a, uh, the, the, it's, I don't know. I, I really, I, it, it sucks. I don't like it. I'm not happy with it. It was, the, it was the cheapest and now it's the most expensive. So, right. But anyway, um, I didn't know if you were going to stick with it or not. I don't know. I mean, it's I, I like I like Blue Jackets hockey. I like Cavs basketball. I like Indians. Mm-hmm. Uh, my son likes Nick Jr. Is that worth an extra fifteen dollars a month? Because I can't get those all in one place in another spot. So. Oh, okay. Yeah. That's, so I yeah. Don't know. That I does mean, make a difference. DC Universe is going to go away. That'll be gone. So I mean, it'll probably be offset anyway. Um, that's my quick take on it. Now, in a story I've been following for a long time, indeed since this, uh, since uh, an excellent documentary called King of Kong, A Pocket Full of Quarters, which was about Billy Mitchell and Steve Weeby's pursuit of the Donkey Kong high score record. Billy Mitchell held this record until it was beaten by Steve Weeby, and then Billy Mitchell began a campaign against Steve Weeby, saying that he did not use an authentic original uh, data card or motherboard so that his record was invalidated and then it was discovered Mitchell was using an emulator uh, later and his authenticity, the authenticity of his Donkey Kong and Pac-Man records was called into question. Uh, last year at Free Comic Book Day, uh, I don't know if you remember this, Phil, I started reporting on this story and suddenly there was people around us that had opinions on this of, yeah. uh, versus everything else we were, uh, we were talking about. And um, Guinness Book of World Records and Twin Galaxies get to that in a second, eliminated his record 
records from the books. Well, now, uh, Guinness Book of World Records has restored his records. They keep going and they keep going restored or once again challenged the authenticity, and now he's back on there. However, it does appear that the hardcore gamers do recognize Twin Galaxies, which has existed just outside of Minneapolis since the early 80s as the official record keeper. So Twin Galaxies is refusing to um, restore his records. If you have not seen it, you gotta check out the documentary King of Kong, A Pocket Full of Quarters, and then make up your own mind. It's a pretty simple one. Um, I enjoyed that movie. It was one of my favorite movies of the last uh, 20 years, I think. Um, an update on something Tim and I were kind of interested in. I don't know if you remember this, Phil, if you ever got around to Willow, which is a, a late yeah. 80s fantasy film. You know, it was announced that Disney Plus was going to do a TV series about of it, and it, it does appear still happening in spite of uh, nothing coming down the pike, nothing recently reported, but as recently as two months ago, Warwick Davis, who starred as Willow, has stated that he is ready to go and really excited to get back into it. Ron Howard has stated that there is an idea, and, and they're still fleshing out ideas, so expect that. Uh, probably not in 2021, but it is officially going to happen. Now, Tron 3. I was a big fan of Tron Legacy, the 2010 movie that followed up Tron. I know a lot of people didn't like it. I enjoyed it a lot because I loved Tron when I was a kid. That movie looked so unlike anything I had ever seen before in my life. And I watched it a little bit ago this summer because Lily kind of got like, what is this Tron thing? Because she saw the, the a preview of the ride, which is happening at Magic Kingdom, which I suspect is probably why suddenly there's going to be a Tron 3. Um, there's going to be a, a big attraction at Magic Kingdom. I actually saw it being constructed, but they say now that thing's not going to open until 2022. Um, but they did confirm one thing about Tron 3. The Disney executives say that the time is never more right for Tron 3, i.e. we need some content for Disney+. Plus. Um now, they don't know whether or not this is going to be one-off movie or whether or not it's going to be a TV series. Um, there's I, there's not much else coming out, but they did confirm the return of Daft Punk to score. And if you haven't heard the score from Tron 3, you owe it to yourself to check it out because it is freaking incredible. And Daft Punk, the uh, British... Uh, how would you describe them, Phil? Daft Punk, like the techno pop rock... Yeah, pretty much. Technopop. Do, yeah, Technopop Rock. Um, they are going to return, so that's pretty awesome. I'm excited about that. Somewhat in the same realm as Tron, Ready Player Two, the sequel to Ernest Cline's 2011 novel about virtual reality and pop culture culture, um, is getting a long-awaited sequel and is available for pre-order at Penguin Random House and, of course, Amazon. The book is scheduled for November 2020 release. I am already on the list of the pre-order. That book was outstanding. I really I resisted wanting to read it, and then it just felt like it was a someone mansplaining 80s pop culture for 300 and some pages, and then I ended up uh, ended up really really loving it. The Steven Spielberg movie was fine. It did a, I think about as best a job as it can be as it could. The only thing I was really disappointed was that the Atari world was not visualized. He literally goes to Atari world, Tim, in the book. Um, that is coming. No, nothing yet coming out about whether or not that's going to be made into a move and whether or not Spielberg. I'm sure we'll hear more about that after the book is released. Speaking of things that were released, that is the as general a segue as I have, but I'm running out of steam. Tim. <laughs> well, it hasn't been released, and there's rumors, or 
people are wondering if it will be released. What would you say if I told you that there is a darker 170 minute cut of Joel Schumacher's Batman Forever? Didn't we already know about this, Tim? Kind of. Yeah, we yeah. knew this was out there. Like, it I was surprised funny. that people were like, really? I'm like, yeah. Like, like you and I talked about, because there was all sorts of interviews. Remember we talked about, you and I talked about interviews we saw with like, Val Kilmer and Jim Carrey. And then the, we saw the movie. And, like, none of the things they said were in the movie. So we knew this was out there. Yeah, because I remember, um, I remember the preview, one of the previews where Bruce Wayne was, like, right in front of this gigantic bat. It yeah. looked like man bat. And I was like, oh, my God, yeah. what is that? I, yes. I was like, whoa. And then the movie came out, nowhere to be seen. And the official magazine that would come out for those things, they used to do that a lot. There was all sorts of stuff in that magazine that wasn't in the film. Do you remember us pointing that stuff out? Yes, absolutely. How do you feel? And it, it's funny because now, uh, since this is, people have uh, brought light to it again, Um they have that deleted scene where Bruce goes into the bat cave and he goes and, you know, and he has that meeting with the giant bat, you know, this a whole, you know, fever dream type thing. And I, I'm in for it. It's funny. I'm looking at it. I'm like, Oh my gosh, the acting's bad. <laughs> but I, you know, I am all for this. I um, just, I, I'm all for the Snyder cut. I'm all for this. I, I, I'm, ex- I'm pretty accepting of all things now. Yeah. Whereas, yeah, show me your take. Give me your version. There, there was another version. It's just like you know, with um, the Superman movie, oh, the Richard Donner cut. Superman two, the Richard Donner cut is infinitely better than the original Superman two. Absolutely, and it's uh, if. Uh, they're willing to uh, do these. I, I'm willing to watch them. I'll, I'll, uh, why not? I am more interested in a Schumacher cut of Batman Forever than I am the Snyder cut. I'll be frank about that one. Hmm. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know if I could choose which one I'd be interested in more. Um, because I think, I, I guess it, I guess you kind of know the filmmaker that Zack Snyder is. So you kind of know what you're going to get with this. Yeah. I'm not exactly sure what people are expecting is going to happen with that. So I, but with Schumacher, boy, I really don't know if, if he's really given the reins to do what he wanted. I'm kind of, I'm with you. I think I'm kind of curious to see what's going on. And speaking of Joel Schumacher, sadly, um, he's passed away from cancer at the age of 80. Um, it's sad to see him go, but, uh, the dude, he, uh, he's got some good credits. I mean, yeah. most people, uh, know him for Batman forever and Batman and Robin, but I mean, he also directed, you know, St. Elmo's fire, the lost boys falling down a time to kill and the Phantom of the opera. So, I mean, he's, uh, he's, did pretty well for himself. He's yeah, got a nice legacy. you know, with the disappointment of Batman Forever and the absolute travesty of Batman and Robin, you know, he took all of the heat for those movies. And as time went on, you realize that he was not the problem. 
You know, if you get a chance, the the DVD set that was released of the Batman movies, the they call them the the '90s Batman movies. You know, in spite of the fact that one of them was in the '80s, but it was you know Batman, Batman Returns, Batman Forever, and Batman and Robin. There's documentaries on all of those, and the best ones are about Batman and Robin, where uh, Joel Schumacher just lays it all out there, and he says. I walk into the first pre-production meeting. Everybody's happy, and there are toys that are already on the table. And they said, here's your stuff. And he goes, now, I'm a grown man. I could have walked away, but I didn't do that. I just let the studio take it and run with it, and I called the shots. So he, he was a man about it. He, he manned up and says, I could have said no. I didn't, but these decisions weren't mine. Um, so he, he acquitted himself really nicely, and I think over time – I think the the hate has gone away, and he doesn't. He he is realizing that people realize he was not really the fault of those things. Yeah, I and you're agree. right. He's it got was, some great credits. Yeah, it was it was the studios that you know wanted to push the toys and make the money. That it would it. Be, it would be a fitting tribute, I think, to him to get his vision version because apparently it, it's not something that needs to be edited. That it's already done is what we're hearing, right? Wow. Yeah. yeah. From what I understand, I I think. Yeah, I, I think the only thing that they would need to do would be like uh, like extend the score, you know, maybe yeah. work on the audio a bit is my guess. Yeah. And finally, finally tonight, and this one is a, a more of a personal one. He doesn't really fit into a lot of what we cover here, but uh, rest in peace, Ennio Morricone. Now, are either of you two, two familiar with that name? No. No. All right, so Ennio Morricone would be a forerunner to John Williams. The genre-defining composer passed away earlier this month at the age of 91. He was the he was most noted as composer composer for spaghetti westerns like the Clint Eastwood films, um, and a true titan in the movie score as an art form. He was kind of a pioneer. Now his composition for Once Upon the Time in the West, one of my top ten favorite movies ever, stands along side John Williams's best work. I mean, that is a haunting, beautiful, and amazing score. Um, and it is something I revisit a lot of times when I'm cutting the grass. I'll go ahead and put that on and just sort of get lost in my mind's landscape of Western. Whew. Boy, oh boy. It's, I mean, that was a lot of fun. But, you know, we haven't been able to cover a lot of that Star Wars stuff in depth with Tim being out because you are on the Star Wars beat. So it was a lot of fun talking some Star Wars again, Tim. So Glad to do yeah, it. Yeah, this has been fun. Absolutely. But we ain't All done right. yet. What was that? I said, we're not done yet. No, we have one more thing to talk about. So we have praised the Spider-Man PS4 game like crazy uh, on this podcast because it's fantastic. And coming out in September, there is an Avengers video game uh, that is being made by Crystal Dynamics, which is a offshoot of Square Enix, um, which people are giving it some heat that the graphics don't look great, blah, blah, blah. I think it looks decent, whatever. Um, so that made me think about comic books that we personally would love to see made into a game. Uh, and I'm more talking specifically about video game here. So uh, I'm going to kick this off. I have three, but I'm really going to only really talk about one. Uh, the other two I'm just going <laughs> to really about. Um, my first runner-up would be an X-Men Age of Apocalypse video game uh, in the same type of open-world um almost adventure action game similar to like a spider-man type thing in which you would explore the uh ruined world as 
various members of the X-Men team. It's been a while since we had an X-Men game that was good, uh, that wasn't a, like, X-Men Legacy type game. Uh, my second runner-up would be a video game adaptation of the IDW Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles run. Uh, just because if you haven't read it, I think the story would be really cool and actually playing as the characters going through the different things be it in the old beat-em-up style or just again in like a adventure style similar to uh these other games that we've discussed that'd be fun that yeah, would be, be fun great uh and i mean it could be a, a turtles game that actually has storyline more so than just uh let's beat up shredder let's beat up krang let's end it um but the comic book i would most like to see as a game that i think would have some massive legs but it wouldn't be able to be made quite yet it's hold on can i do i know you this wouldn't. comic or character you wouldn't okay i was gonna uh, guess but i will not know <laughs> i went you're here so uh robert kirkman has been working on a comic called oblivion song for a while now um and the basically the the premise uh, is that there is a another dimension that kind of bleeds into uh, our dimension. And my concept for this game would be that you would be one of the scientists that go into this other dimension to try to save the human beings that are trapped there and battle off the enemies from oblivion. So um, think of it kind of like a Horizon Zero Dawn in which you are going around and fighting these monsters. Not robotic, but mutated and weird that uh have different fighting patterns and stuff uh so like a mix between like a horizon zero dawn and like a dark souls difficulty in which you have to like learn your enemies and dodge around and when you uh get wiped you teleport back to the real world um obviously the story would have to be complete to make the whole game with the story is not complete we're kind of in a deep arc at the moment but i think it could be very cool and exploration games like that are fantastic and it could really open the eyes of a lot of people that have not read the comic so those are the ones that i kind of thought of when i was coming up with this uh aspect um, I could talk much longer about each one of them, but <laughs> we've been very wordy thus far this evening. Darren, what about you? I got one. Okay. That's all you need. That's all I need. All I have is one. Archie. You East got West. Archie, the Archie versus Predator storyline. <laughs> and, you know, come on. This is an obvious one. What have we not seen yet? That is... Anyone who tries to tell me it's not possible is wrong. That's not possible? Yeah. That makes it sound weird. Oh, a Superman, Superman game. Absolutely. What the heck? Now, <laughs> hey, let me tell you something. Um, I've heard uh, one of the guys that filled in for Tim, Mark, he said that he just doesn't think, this is a while ago now, he may have changed his tune, but he said that Superman, it's just not possible. I disagree. No Man's Sky is a game mechanic that I think would work for Superman somewhere in there in the middle with, or, you know, rockstar, how they did the Batman games. Um, not star. What am I? Not rockstar. What was that? The, the Arkham games. Who was that? Sorry. I'm wrong about rockstar, right? Rockstar no. is, is it rocksteady or is it rockstar? Uh, rockstar is red dead redemption. Um, yeah. Um, 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 here, just keep talking. What are you two fools so look that up while I'm talking about this? Um, now, Come on, man. And this this falls along the same lines as when 
you hear about the production of a Superman movie, and it was always about the thing I can't stand is we have to figure out what Superman means to a modern audience, all those sorts of things. Do you know, here's something that Superman does. He punches things. Mm-hmm. And he punches things that are bigger than him. So you think about things like Shadow of the Colossus. We already know we can make these large, giant, hulking beasts of objects. Can you, when you like to power up Superman, like initially in the game, you're, you're having to fight against one of those things, dodging the big fist, and at some point, as you power up Superman, you can just blast right through them. They're giant robots or something. You can take off. You can fly from the Earth into space, into other galaxies, and explore other worlds, which is what No Man's Sky has done. I'm not saying that would have, well, that's what it has to be done, but a Superman game should be absolutely possible in the next gen. I just played the Iron Man VR experience, Uh-oh. the demo, and you're flying. You're Iron Man, but you're flying. Like, okay. And I, I'll admit, I was, I was really enjoying being Iron Man, but the second or third time, I was kind of pretending I was Superman because I feel like, well, this is probably as close as I'm going to get. Um, so... I got not a, not a whole lot else to say about that because I feel like this is such an obvious one, Tim. Oh, I totally guys... agree with you. Oh, okay, thanks. I, I really do, and it, that is something I did think about when I was uh, thinking about these. I think, to me, the best Superman game that they came out with so far was the animated series game. Um, I remember that. Yeah. Oh yeah, on the PlayStation uh, uh, Two. I'm sorry, not the not the Nintendo 64. <laughs> there was one I, on PlayStation Two. I was like, I had, I tried both, and I, I was, oh my god, I don't. Let's not even go down that road. But there was a good one on PlayStation Two. You know, the Nintendo 64 had an excellent. The Death of Superman one was really excellent too. But yeah, yeah, I, I, I got to think there's somewhat there's a studio out, studio out there that is smart enough to do this and do it right. Yeah. Um, I have four. Um, the first one, real quick. I would love it because it was a comic and it is a comic. Batman sixty six game. Oh. Oh. I would love for it uh, to be just remember during the game Rise of uh, Sinzu, ba- yes. the Batman the animated series. Buddy move. I would, I would love yes, yes, buddy move. Just them running, you know, just running down the street, just a brawler. You know, to almost like. Oh my god, uh, that would be great. Uh, I think that would be great fun. That would be. Awesome. You get it. You can pull off a special move. You get your pow and bangs on there. Come Absolutely. on. Absolutely. Come oh, on. Damn. The closest they ever came was in Lego Batman Three. They actually did a Batman sixty six mini level, oh. and it was so fun. It made me want an entire game of it, and I, I just think that would be so fun. Uh, the. Next two, I guess, could be kind of similar in structure. Um, one, I think, Darren, should be a Green Arrow game. Yeah. I mean, they have done – I have played enough games like um, Tomb Raider um, and Last of um, Us. The Last of Us where bow action, like fighting and playing with a bow – is it could be done and it could be done well now. And plus you have the ability to put those specialty bows. Come on, who doesn't want you get a boxy glove arrow? Gotta have that at some point, even if for a joke or something. That is still one of my favorite arrow moments in the TV show. But yes, but Darren, I remember I, I told you about the game Thief I played and yeah. you had a bow oh, yeah. and arrow. They could do so much with that with the water arrows, a fire arrow, an arrow with the cable. I mean, you could go around the city doing so much with that. Oh, my gosh. And uh, 
Horizon Zero Dawn. The uh, Phil, you'll back this up. The bow mechanics in that are pretty awesome that too. Game, oh, everything. Yeah, I I am dying for this. In fact, I was just talking to Redmond. He's the, he's the one who came in and he did our uh, wrestling episodes uh, back in April, March, April. And he's also a video game reviewer, reviewer, and he just has up now his review for Ghosts of Tsushima, which yeah, looks freaking incredible. Tomorrow. He gets all the games like free and early. And he said mm-hmm. the bow action in, in that is as good as we've seen. He actually mentioned, he's like, it's time for Green Arrow. So I was I was thinking of that too, but I had already written my segment. Uh, but that's awesome, Tim. You are 100% correct. Um, this, was, this next one was going to be my number one. Um, and I'll get to my number one in a sec, but it, it was a Daredevil game. Um, I think, you know, with the advent of the Spider-Man game, I'm just like, man, you can make a gritty Daredevil game uh, through New York. He's got the parkour. He has, you know, I, I forgive me for not knowing the term, the sticks that he has. That it's he can have the cables come out. What? I'm sorry? Escrema sticks. They're similar to what Robin has in Nightwing. Yes. Thank you. I could be wrong. Um, and, you know, he uses that. The cable comes out, swings across the city. Um, you have the ability with him being blind with the radar sense to kind of use, like, with Arkham. Lights where you out can levels. Yes. Uh, um, I think even if you get a good story, you could even work out some sort of interrogation mode where you could tell if someone's lying or not. Oh, or man. or if you, if you have to pick a lock, you know, with a tumbler, being able to use your sense to, you know tell how to pick a lock and you know just uh with with the you know with the kingpin and bullseye and you know i i just think that that would be a fun sandbox oh man that would be great absolutely you could have cameos now this one that came um for my number one was not my idea this was for my son ethan and as soon as he said it i said oh my god yeah that's brilliant um, is a Doctor Strange game. It's a game I never thought I wanted until I thought about it. I mean, it just fits with what uh, you're able to do now because you can start off with him. I, I mean, if you want, you can do the training if you want. Or I, I don't know a ton about Doctor Strange. The only My biggest exposure to Doctor Strange was the movies, mm-hmm. uh, immediately so. But, I mean... Here's something that you can, you know, you can have it in New York, but you can also go into other dimensions, which really opens things up. So, I mean, you could start it out in New York. Yeah, this is the same familiar type game, but then you can go into the mirror dimension or countless other dimensions in this game. Um, It would be easy to start him off as a weaker character and progress with... um, different incantations of learning uh, different spells and abilities, or you have to find um, certain things, uh, maybe scrolls to learn, learn these things. I mean, the amount of powers and abilities, like uh, it's easy the way games are set up nowadays where you could have this great pro- uh, progressive system of him learning and gaining abilities that makes sense. Um, as you saw it in the movies, being trained and just learning or, you know, I have to go here and, and get this amulet or find this route or, you know, to to make this happen. And just like I said, the combination of being able to be in New York and then it's pretty much limitless to your imagination 
going off into uh, other dimensions. I when uh, my son started talking about that, I'm just like, yeah, that's that's great. You could have such a, a spell progression with a spell tree and learning spells and customization. Uh, I just I just think that that would be such a fun game. I could even all of these games. What was that, Phil? I, you could even forge like mystical weapons because he has his own forge. Yes, that was, see, look at you're getting it. Yes, I'm in. I'm so in for that. Very cool. And that's it for me. Man, that's cool. Tim, you you crushed that one. Yeah, you did. Thanks, guys. Oh man. All right. So surprisingly somehow that is all we have for the general moment but later this month we're going to talk about our current mountain rushmores these are the creators and people and things that we think mean the most to us in this thing we're going to give tim some comic books that he should want to read and darren has a retroactive review of dreadstar coming so that is in about two weeks uh you guys have anything to plug yeah, episode uh, 125 of the Panel Scanners. What's that? Episode 125 of the Panel Scanners. Uh, it's gonna I'm be going great. to plug the Wonder Woman movie. Oh, jeez. All right. Uh, well, I guess. Into- <laughs> All right, guys. As always, you can follow us on Instagram at Panel Scanners. So until next time, enjoy your comics. Uh,